it's a mighty fine evening as we're recording this to be released in the morning, perhaps on your commute if you are listening. Justin, I just want to warn you, or I just want to ask, Justin, is I, I know no warnings, just asking. I just want your, your gut reaction, Justin, very quickly as my dog lays down for a nap. Uh, Justin. Is that Gatorade cooler the best defender that South Carolina has got in their locker room right now? Sheesh, man. <laughs> what a what a way to ask that question. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it, if, yeah, if the listener is unaware. It certainly inflicted the, the most unaware, damage. Well, yeah. It, the stoutest run defense one could find, <laughs> that Gatorade cooler. I like your Trojan horse theory. Please don't uh, – please, please remember – uh, what that was when we go to talk about this. But if you're unaware, dear listener, South Carolina lost a hard-fought game, which we are about to talk about. And afterwards, ale- apparently, allegedly, I still think that there's other theories to be had. Uh, Shane Beamer in frustration kicked what uh, what ended up being a full Gatorade cooler, and uh, it broke a bone in his foot. And so he will be limping and hobbling around on that Mizzou sideline come Sunday down in the other Columbia. Justin, how do you feel that your team's going to play in Columbia, but you are on the road? Uh, Alan, not great. We spent a good chunk of last week talking about just the dire situation South Carolina would find itself in with a loss this weekend to Florida, this past weekend, and that's exactly what happened. So South Carolina's at 2-4, and four, and we're going to play in the other Columbia against um, a better-than-expected Missouri football team. Um, I am not looking forward to Saturday. I'll just say that. I don't have good thoughts. Wow. Justin, I didn't think, if I'm being honest, I didn't think Columbia could get much worse because I've been to the Columbia in our state and it has a rough reputation. Wow. With decent reason. Wow. I think Columbia, Missouri has got to be worse, right? Because it's in Missouri. I mean, yeah, it's in Missouri. Um, Listen, the the worst parts about the Palmetto State are better than whatever Missouri calls itself. Amen. Absolutely. And and, and you know what? Any other state, Alan. Justin, there was a time in my life where when Clemson had a bye week, as Clemson did, you would joke, hey, bye week, that's the one week we're guaranteed not to lose. <laughs> and quite honestly, that's a little how this season has felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even in and even the last couple of seasons, but Clemson had a bye week. They did not lose. In fact, they've gotten healthy. Nate Wiggins is going to be back on Saturday. Uh, Antonio Williams is going to be back on Saturday. Dabo said they're as healthy as they've been all season, perhaps. Very good report. Needed because you're going to go play a dogfight of a game, as we'll talk about later. But that would recap one part of the Palmetto State. The other part of the Palmetto State, that one that we affectionately call the armpit of the South, Columbia, South Carolina. Sheesh, man. Time game Alan is going in. Were, Alan is going in. Where the Columbia, lights were flickering, allegedly. Justin, did you see the tweets about the fourth quarter lights flickering and how silly that was? I did not see that, no. Okay, well, one of our one of our uh, one of the guys in the upstate with a radio program who is actually a Florida fan, which I don't understand why that. Oh happened. my gosh! Uh, he what a clown! Caught video. He caught video of uh, on on the ESPN broadcast or the SEC Network broadcast. Uh, you know, it, it was it was it did appear it, it could look as though the lights were flickering on a couple of key downs in the fourth quarter for Florida, like a fourth and ten and a fourth and eleven. But um, most people most people say it was because it was kind of becoming dusk and it was actually just kind of a camera reaction to the light change 
nothing to do with lights flickering. Lots of people on the, lots of boots on the ground saying there was no such light flickering. But okay, in the place where the lights flicker, and in the Columbia, in the in the dirty South on Parents Weekend and Homecoming, no less. Oh my God! South Carolina had a big time matchup against your favorite non Shane Beamer head coach. That is Billy Napier. Sun Belt Justin, Billy. Why don't you just? Why don't you just we were both wrong about this game. We were. Why don't you just paint the scenario? Tell us what happened on Saturday. All right. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to relive this. Um, so, you know, there was a lot Sometimes, of times, Justin, to eulogize a dead relative or a dead loved one, you've just got to talk about even the good and the, the, the good and yeah. even the bad, Justin. Yeah. Just sometimes you got to bring up the bad too. Okay. We, we will have this conversation. Okay. So we spent a lot of time talking about what would South Carolina do with their bye week, which was before the Florida game. <clears throat> you know, could South Carolina make some adjustments, make some changes that would uh, breathe new life into the offense, into the football team as a whole? And as we sat, as I sat watching this game, anybody who watched, the very first thing that they talked about was a retooled offensive line. Like much work was put into fixing the offensive line. And, Alan, if you had told me going into that game that Mario Anderson would, would run wild a little bit, that he would hurdle a Gator defender on the way into the end zone, that we would score 39 points, I would have said, sure, we got it. Like, Because yeah, Florida, sure. Florida is a pedestrian offense at best. But let me tell you, the thing that we saw Saturday <laughs> has happened all too frequently for South Carolina fans. Um, it, it's happened, you know, when maybe a backup quarterback has come in in the past and, and everybody thinks he's garbage. It's happened um, for, for all the times that South Carolina has showed up and shut down a potential Heisman contender at a big game at Williams-Price Stadium. Uh, there are uncountable times when a garbage quarterback has had a career day. It's already happened a couple of times this year. It happened again Saturday. Uh, we pretty well shut down the run. Graham Mertz, man, he threw for, I think, three miles, um, somewhere in there. Yeah, something uh, like that. And and the worst, the worst part of it, man, as we got into the fourth quarter, we've started to shut him down. You'd play decent first down, decent second down, incomplete pass on third down, and 25 yards on fourth down. Like what? What Bloody is man. this, man? It was so hard I'm to watch. A tear on your behalf in this moment, like, right now. So and and it's it's so difficult because a, a defense that we've seen over the last two and a half seasons that has managed to to play above their heads, uh, led the SEC in turnovers the last two years. Um, they like effort was something that could never be questioned. All of a sudden. Like you're seeing guys kind of quit on plays. If they're not quitting, they're not they're not hustling. Um, you're seeing pressures called and guys just kind of giving themselves up before the quarterback throws the ball. It it uh, I I don't want to say they quit because I don't think that's the case. But they were playing timid. They were playing uh, maybe without some fire. It just it felt like they were beat before the game started. And that shouldn't happen against a team like Florida, the, the Florida offense that is this year. It it was hard to watch, man. Like the the offense was great. Um, 
May, I don't have it in front of me. Only punted a couple of times. One drive was stopped by a bad snap. Um, never felt like we were out of it, even when we were behind the chains. Like it, it felt like we were moving the ball at will, but we couldn't stop anything. I mean, anything at all. Can it I was say, Justin, it was terrible. Do you think that there is? So I tweeted Saturday evening as this was all happening, right? Um, you and I were texting. Well, you you were mistakenly texting me a few times. Oh, I did. Yeah. Let the listener understand what kind of messages I was receiving. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, when we, when you mean to text me, there were a couple times uh, where we were talking about the game. You and I both thought this thing was over up by ten. I mean, the whole world you know, pretty much yeah. thought it was over up by ten midway in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I you know I asked if if uh, they were even going to let Billy on the team playing. Oh which I man. Think many many, I uh, about many that. dreams have been. Uh, Trust at Columbia Regional. Many lives and careers have been ended. We there did. We thought it was done. Uh, we were making those jokes. Everybody and their grandmother uh, thought it was over. And Justin, first off, before I continue, how much PTSD did you have when the you know PA announcer and the commentators say ETN scores a touchdown? In <laughs> Just how much PTSD did that bring you? Uh, honestly, yeah. oh, uh, honestly, the the worst the worst PTSD didn't come from hearing it. Um, it's me, me and my friend, uh, Dr. Caleb, as he is affectionately referred to in my house. Um, we would always just text the letters E T N instead of trying to type it out sure. when we were trying, when we were talking Everybody about clipsing, you know, yeah, probably. Um, when I typed in E T N trying to send him, send him an update, that was the soul crushing PTSD that I felt, um, when I oh, had wow. to type it in. Yeah. Well, Full circle sometimes. Uh, well, hey, 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 real, real, okay. real quick, real quick, tweet, real quick. Let me please. just let me just say this. We've talked a lot this year about like, you know, I said Florida State would play like it was 2013, that kind of stuff. We've talked about teams of the past and relating this season to teams of the past. Alan, you want to talk about PTSD? I was right back in 2014 when Steve Spurrier had the best offense he ever had at South Carolina. But the defense could not stop literally anything. And we gave up three 14-point leads at Williams-Brice that season in the fourth quarter. That's what that's what Saturday sometimes, felt like. Sometimes seasons feel like, you know, seasons now feel like seasons of old. And you're like, oh, I thought this was fast. Justin, I tweeted after South Carolina lost, I tweeted, it feels like humble pie season in Columbia. And I just want to get your reaction to what I'm about to say. You uh, obviously had the greatest ending to a season, you know, greatest ending to an eight and four season in the history of the world. And I guess eight and five, if you count, you know, the bowl game, but you had the greatest ending to an eight and four regular season. One could imagine back to back playoff knocker outers against, uh, I think they were both times in a row with the number eight team in the country, but against top 10 teams. Right. And all that kind of thing. Right. You beat your biggest rival. You scored 63 points against Tennessee. All that kind of thing. Right. Then you go to the bowl game, you play fine, you lose, well, whatever people forget about. But then in those games, you know, crazy offense, crazy special teams, including the greatest punting I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and then this year, you've had, uh, you know, you've had the offense not perform up to, uh, up to the same degree, but the offense has been pretty fine. You know, obviously I took umbrage with Spencer Rattler saying our offense has done everything possible, even though you know, don't score that many points against Georgia and all that kind of thing. But the offense has been fine. And the special teams has had its moments. You got a good special teams play against North Carolina that resulted in nothing because of a drop pass on fourth down. Right. But also, 
even on Saturday, the offense unravels a little bit. You have the ball with some timeouts left in the game, and Spencer Ratliff throws a killer interception. But before that, when you're giving the ball back to Florida, Kai Kroger got a weak punt. He had several weak punts on Saturday. A weak punt out of bounds to give Florida good field position. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, like the unraveling, humble pie, chickens coming back to roost, or game Gamecocks coming back to roost. Wow. A little tough to watch. Wow. But humble pie season in South Carolina. I think we have asked this question sort of on the podcast before. But, Justin, do you think that this is kind of a reckoning year did the end of last year almost write a check that the South Carolina Gamecocks were never ready to catch? And now that bill's come due. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. Um, I mean, like it's not a, it's not again, it's not a bad argument. I, honestly, what I think you're seeing more than anything is a defense that just can't stop anybody. Um, you know, we we thought foolishly, I think that we would come back and have the same kind of defense that we'd had the past two years when we lost two two NFL draft picks at uh, DB. Um, our linebackers, uh, they're not weak, but we lost one of our guys who wasn't, wasn't necessarily a starter because he was coming back from injury. Um, long story short, it's the defense, man. Um, sure. Oh, oh uh, what, what's his name? Sully? He's having a good time over there. Hell yeah. uh, <clears throat> no, so I mean we've let we've, the listener understand. We've we've uh, as as a defense, we've really let things down. The offense has struggled at times, um, but I think, Alan, did you ever watch American Idol back in the day? I can't say that I have. Uh, you didn't. All right, so listen. It was it was a staple in the Dutton household when I was a kid. Please tell us about all the hours so, that you've been watching American Idol. Yeah, I'm not I'm not proud, but it was what my parents wanted to watch. So it's, it's, it is what it is. Here's the thing: you'd have you'd have a guy or a girl, whatever, come in, and they would sing for the judges, and the judges would be like, "Yeah, like it was fun. You were a little pitchy, a little shaky. That's the South Carolina offense, like serviceable." You could have a career singing in bars, that kind of thing. You know, mediocre talent, uh, not not bad. Should be able to win win ball games. The defense is is the American Idol act that they put on simply to have something to laugh at. Mm. That's how bad this defense is. is. Like it's it's bad. So I don't necessarily think it's a like. I don't think teams set out to say like we're going to beat South Carolina next year. I don't think it's that. I think we just the defense sucks. Is really bad. the The front four are fine. Like we're we're doing okay against the run for the most part. Um, our our secondary, and I don't know if it's the scheme, I don't know if it's talent, I don't know what it is, but something is like broken, broken, maybe beyond repair. So like, you think Clayton White's gotta go? Uh, listen, I'm. I'm rarely I, – I try to hold back on my fire the coach talk because when I say fire the coach, I want to mean it. Um, sure. He had two good seasons. I think I think he's been dealt a pretty tough hand with who he's got in the secondary this year. Um, we've got some really strong safeties who are great against the run, but they're, they're pretty bad in coverage, and that's not his fault. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I yeah, wouldn't be upset like to see him go. Doesn't have the personnel to yeah. make it happen. I think like it's it, a personnel it feels issue. Like he's a year or two away. Yep. I, this does not seem like he, scheme. Look, he, seem he, like he might be more than that. Coach. He might be more than more than a year or two away because, like, 
yeah. I mean, we've we've got some guys, but like those young guys aren't really even playing that much this year. Um, so sure. like I don't I don't know. Um, I'm, I think consistency is probably better for the team. I'd say he's, I'd say he gets sure. another year, but man, it's been bad. Justin, I want to talk about the post game reaction. Okay, all right, let's from go. the from perhaps the Clemson side and the non South Carolina side. A lot of people happy to see them lose. A lot of people like them being two and four. You know, there are some chickens coming home to roost in that South Carolina got some wins over some programs they shouldn't have beat last year, Tennessee and Clemson. So Tennessee and Clemson like to watch them lose. Yeah, there are certainly some fans having fun with this. And, you know, two and four, like we said last week, both of us said it. I said it a little bit stronger, but two and four was going to be hard to get ball eligible on. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. So, post-game, feeling the pressure, a lot of calls for Clayton White's job. I think Shane Beamer was sensing that. Justin, I I had like next to no problems with Shane Beamer. Other than I don't like his tone always, but some of that's more uncontrollable personality stuff. I had next to no problems with Shane, what Shane Beamer said at the press conference about the defense. You know, he was asked what was the problem with defense. He immediately jumps. I know what the problem was, and he shuffles through his notes like Kaylee McEnany, the old press secretary for Donald Trump, who had that big binder <laughs> of notes. And he's got his list of things. And yeah, it's excuse making, but I really thought it was saving Clayton White's job to a degree. Like that was his goal. And Justin, everybody goes, why does he need 30 bullet points of what to say? All Shane Beamer said, and I don't agree with the this, this strategy. It's a personality thing for him because he likes to talk, as most people do, as certainly guys with podcasts like to do. Shane Beamer, most coaches like to talk, and they, they talk for too long. And they do long press conferences and all this kind of stuff. Dabo's the same way. Shane Beamer, he ba- he said in long form, you know, fully non-abridged, uh, the unabridged version, he said, we didn't execute. Every coach after a loss is going to be like, what was the reason we lost this game? Well, we just didn't execute. Coaches didn't execute. Players didn't execute. You know, refs didn't execute. Nobody executed. We just lost because we didn't execute. That's all he said. He went yep. through a long list of plays that were called well to his estimation on defense. And if he's telling the truth, then I kind of agree with him. Edge pressures on jet sweeps uh, or wide receiver reverses, you know, corner corner blitzes. Yep. Like, that would have worked out well. That just weren't executed well. And it's like no one would have a problem with him if he went, if he in the same style went, I know what the problem was, David. We didn't execute. And that's all he said. Yep. If he didn't go on his long list. So I have zero problems with what he said. Yep. I thought it was a total overreaction by everybody to be getting in the uh, in the in the well of look at all the excuse making, look at a thousand notes that he likes to say. That's just his personality, man. He likes to talk, and I yep. can respect that because I like to talk. And well, if I was a head coach, I'd have thirty reasons to talk about yep. too, and I'd want to get them all out after I just lost a gut wrenching game. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd I'd say this too. You know, you said you know, uh, and, and I don't think you meant it any any negative kind of way, but you said you know he had thirty excuses or, or whatever, man. You know, sometimes you have excuses and sometimes you just have reasons. And you use the word reasons sure. too. Um, and, I agree with that. Uh, I hate I hate to admit this because it's uh, it was a terrible thing for me to have to do. I went back and I've I've watched a good chunk of the game again because I wanted to see out of the emotion, out of the praying for a stop, did we really have good plays called? And I'm not an X's and O guy. Like I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what plays were called, what coverages were called, and that kind of stuff. What I will tell you is I saw missed tackle after missed tackle, uh, poor technique. Um, one of the things he mentioned was um, 
you know, we had we had Graham Mertz dead to right. He was on the run, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, defensive end jumps to try to bat down a pass, and it let Mertz right. get away and throw a good pass. I mean, right. so many times, and again, I'm not making the argument of we were one play away, but there were so many plays that if you just make the one tackle, there was a fourth and 11 where they threw it behind the line of scrimmage, and the guy got like 16 <laughs> yards. After a broken tackle, like let's just give a moment of silence for that. Justin. Uh, okay, moment over. Um, Thank like, you for your respect. Yeah, she, sheesh, dude. Like he's not wrong. The like some there were yeah, points where the defense just played really poorly. But here's my question. Here's my question. Time after time after time, Nick Eman worry was put in a terrible position of having to cover Florida's best receiver. He's a physical safety. He's not He's not a, a, a coverage guy. He is a sit back and deliver a hit kind of guy. He's a, he's a stop the run right. kind of guy. Why were we calling plays to put him in those positions when they had to throw the ball? Like, Pearsall is a, is a technical route runner. He's a good receiver. He is an NFL draft pick. And we had one of our weaker coverage guys playing man against him. That's that's where I have the biggest complaint with Clayton White. But if 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 he tells me that was the only option to try to get pressure, otherwise he was going to sit there and, and pick apart our zone or something, then I'm fine with it. It's a question, but but I can be fine with it. Sure, Justin. Here's what I have. I don't even have a ton of issue with it, right? Because I'm not a South Carolina fan. And I like Shane Beamer as a person. I really do. I've often remarked about how I really like that there's a lot of competitive energy between Shane Beamer and Dabo Sweeney, but they genuinely like each other. And by all accounts, Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer's son likes Dabo more than yeah. Shane Beamer. <laughs> you know, uh, like he loves, he loves Dabo, you know what I mean? And uh, from what I've heard, he used to wear Clemson jerseys until Shane got the job at, you know, when, when Shane was still in Oklahoma and everything. Like he used to wear Clemson jerseys and all this kind of stuff. So like they like each other a lot, you know what I mean? And I really like that. It's better than, I, I like that more than the vitriol that was had in the Spurrier days, which I think some of that was played on. But I've said this before. Sure. I won't, I, I won't say it again. Uh, but so I don't I like Shane Beamer a lot. This whole kicking the Gatorade thing and breaking his foot thing kind of grosses me out. Uh, I I sent the thing to you when the story came out uh, on Twitter on DMs and I said, bro, it has to stop. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm lie. Trying. I'm not gonna lie. That got me. That I was I was I had to sit and think about how I wanted to respond to that for a little while. Go ahead. Did it make you angry? Yeah, it did a little bit. When yeah. I said, bro, it has to stop. Yeah. So, Justin, what did you think I meant when I said, bro, it has to stop? That well, it was, it, was, it, was the th- it was the third. It, it was on the on the tail end of the um, – and I don't know what your thoughts were. I might have missed it. Um, there were there were tweets going around. I, I know what you thought about Beamer not being accountable. But there's another tweet going around about a Lamborghini in his parking spot. Um, is that his car? No, Justin? it's not. It's Mike. You Davis. never. We never it's, figured it out. Who? Yeah, it's Mike Davis's car. Former former South Carolina like the running, old running back. back guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you can. How does that guy have a, yeah, how does he, that guy have a Lambo? I mean, he's he's had a what ten year NFL career. Um, oh okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the you can friend? you can you can see a, a game day parking pass in it. Um, look, I mean that might be incorrect that it's uh, that it's Mike Davis. That's what word is on the the twitter streets but it's probably not you know yeah it was a a picture on on a game day 
Um, and it, and the car had a parking pass. So Beamer, like we know Beamer doesn't park at the facility on game days. Um, he rides from the hotel on the bus sure. with the team. So anyway, um, so there was, there was that. Uh, and then I don't, I don't know. You may not be like this, but, um, like my, my love of South Carolina runs too deep. Like it's, it's a problem and I'll admit that. Um, whoever, whoever our head coach is until he is like definitively gone, I will die for him. I mean, not like, not literally, not literally, but, but like I would take a bullet, not, not, not face or chest, but like arm leg. Sure. Sure. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here to fight for my coach. So anyway, let's let's talk about your thoughts about the the Gatorade cooler, the broken foot, and then 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 we'll talk about my thoughts about your thoughts. Uh, I'm just kind of well. One thing, I'm just kind of over. There's a little bit of the Deion Sanders thing with Shane Beamer, just a little bit. He likes he likes the attention. I don't blame him. I think Dabo also likes the attention. I mean, you could point to cheesy TikToks, Hickory Dickory Doc TikToks. But I think just in general, there's a degree to which all of these head coaches, they, they like being the front man. They're comfortable being the front man. That's why a lot of guys don't become the front man. So you have to have that kind of comfortability. I do think Shane kind of brings it on to an extra degree. You know, you can point to getting in Twitter spats with guys like Mark Ryan from, our, from the upstate, who we were talking about earlier, uh, a couple years ago. You know, uh, doing things like that. He likes the attention, and then like he wants to bring the attention to this thing. It just kind of made me go, "Ooh, I don't not like that." Now, I have other thoughts as to as to wh- why a head coach should never do that, particularly after the game. Which is we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, so we'll get back to that conversation. Why a head coach should not go kicking things after a game. Um, by way of frustration, not by way of motivation. So I don't like that. My bro, it has to stop was mostly God, like, can we ever, can we go a day without Shane Beamer bringing attention to himself? Some of it's incidental. Some of it I think is on purpose. That was my initial reaction. He definitely brought it up himself. No one asked about it at the, po- at the, pro- at the uh, press conference. He wanted to talk about it. He even said, I want to talk about it before you guys ask me after the game on Saturday. Um, I have a strong feeling that he could have gone through the game on Saturday without anybody Notice or without anybody asking. Bro, if he's, got a, if, he's, if he's got a boot on his foot, surely. You think he's going to have a boot for one broken I, foot on his foot? I, I mean, it depends on where it is, but like the boot, the boot. So I don't mean to get into like, you know, physiological I stuff. I mean, all he said the, was the boot I'm would be for. Limp. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, you know, who, that's all he who, said, but go on. Who knows? If, if he does end up having to have, if, if it's going to be something noticeable, then I think it's fine to go ahead and say it. Um, when you're in a good mood, because I think he, I hate to say this, I think he sees a loss coming Saturday, uh, and I, I don't, I don't think he wants to be asked about why he's limping after a loss when he's already after his defense has given up another 400 yards passing to this to a quarterback. Yeah, you're, be, you're being generous, man. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so like, look, Shane Beamer has a pattern, right? Um, he in in Tuesday press conferences. He is the most likable guy in the world. Um, people even talked about like why is he smiling and laughing about this? I think he's laughing at himself. Um, you know his his silliness because uh, I think that's what this was. I think it's silly. Um, who who among us? Whom? 
whatever. Who among us has not punched a pillow, thrown a hat, uh, you know, let that little bit of anger and frustration out? Um, it was not, I mean, we haven't all coached Division One college football, but um, we've watched it. Um, we've we've had our own moments of frustration sure. where we couldn't we couldn't uh, we didn't perform the way we wanted to, whatever. And it just it feels good to to be able to take some aggression out on something that you're not going to hurt anything, right? So, like, I don't know. My belief is kind of that he he kicked a cooler thinking it was empty. And was just gonna feel good about just getting something out, and then feel silly about it afterwards. As, it as I think we better than Kai Kroger yeah. could. Yeah, um, yeah. Sheesh, he man. probably picked it up and said, "Kai, watch this." <laughs> I mean, that would be terrible. <laughs> and Kai was like, "That was losing those footballs." <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be tremendously terrible. Um, no, like I don't. I think it's I think it's a little embarrassing, um, but. I will. I will say this. I think that anybody who has been in a locker room, like you, you've seen much worse from coaches and players. Um, you know, it's it's. I don't think this is. I don't think this is something unique to Shane. Um, I think it's something that happens. Not kicking coolers and that kind of thing, but expressing like. Like actually showing physical frustration. Um, my my biggest thing is like maybe 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 don't bring the attention to it. Uh, I I don't know. It, for for somebody who gets criticized the way he does, I I think he's got to be aware of it. I don't mean to get political here, but it's kind of like the conversations we we've kind of had about Donald Trump in the past, like. You know you're going to be criticized and scrutinized for every little thing. Don't give people more ammunition. They're already looking to shoot at you. Don't give them something to shoot at. You know what I'm saying? That's my frustration with Beamer on this. I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think he did anything unique to him. I just think it was kind of dumb to to give people something else to to have a problem with. So I pretty much agree with that. I think it was dumb. Um, here's where I'm going to go in a different direction than you with the whole coaches thing. Um, I agree. Literally every time a team is like performing poorly, you go, oh, the halftime speech is going to be arousing. You know what I mean? Like I am, I am actually kind of like really okay with pregame, midgame, coaches breaking things, coaches being crazy, coaches kicking Gatorade hands or whatever um i routinely say i wish Debo would get himself thrown out of more football games because when you defend your players who like in this wake forest game let's go back two weeks there were some crazy roughing the passer calls don't know how much you watched the game justin yeah. like epic levels of hilarity of passer of roughing the passer that was called i mean one of them was called he was not throwing the ball yet when he was hit and then they called roughing the passer, and it's like how is he supposed to get a sack you know all that kind of thing so levels of hilarity where I go, man, like when that kind of stuff happens, I kind of wish Dabo would really push the envelope and like get himself close to thrown out or just thrown out because your players respond when you get thrown out for them, just like they respond when at halftime and they're not playing well, you light the fire under them. It's post game. The coaches 
you know, this is this is where I disagree with you a little bit on the coaching thing. We don't have to go too long into this because it's a yeah. philosophical thing. Um, I despise and detest uh, when coaches post game uh, are you would would act the same way that they act at halftime. You know, um, being real mad at the players for losing a game, giving them all the business. Uh, get, you know, in in little in little league play or in uh, in pee wee football play, had a coach uh, who was giving us the business after we lost a game, and parent wanted to fight him because he was calling us all kinds of names after losing a game. Now I'm all fine with that pregame and midgame, postgame. It's a totally different world. You're talking about something that has happened. You need to move on to the future now, and it is embarrassing. Children post the situation, go and break things. Yeah, Men post the situation, help those children to stop. I'm really frustrated that we don't have uh, a soundboard um, for the uh, the giving him the business famous call by whatever mm. the referee's name is. Um, <clears throat> okay, so here's here's the only pushback I would have there. Uh, two years in a row, South Carolina has had teams that looked like they were going to fall apart, and the teams have rallied. And I think that rally, at least the, the storyline has been, it's indicative of a coach who can hold the team together. So, like, I think it's an easy thing for us to say he was, you know, giving them the business, that kind of stuff. He was going on a rant. Um, man, what if what if it's just they're, they're walking off the field and he's like, God dang it, I'm frustrated, and kick something. Like, it doesn't have to be that he That's was going on. That's childish behavior. That's hey, what look, I hate. That's look, childish no, no, behavior. No, 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 no. That's oh, what I don't want a grown man on. to act like he's trying to make. Justin, you cannot tell me. No college football coach can tell me. I'm not in the business of making these guys good athletes. I'm in the business of making these guys grown men. And then walk off the field and act like a petulant child. If no, no whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up, hold up. No, 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 no. So, like, this is this is what we've talked about. Like, okay, first off, tell me, when when did he kick the cooler? Post game, and that's what but, I but I when that. when I don't care when it was. When, he told when, everybody it was post game. Right. Now that it is public, so, all of his players know that he reacts to a look, loss that way, or at least one look, loss that way. Look, and that's look, bad. Look, I don't like hold it. up. Uh, I, I think I think that's that's way too easy to to ascribe a narrative that we're not sure of. Like post game is when the clock hits zero, right? Like I don't was it in the locker room? Was it on the field? Like. So, so all I'm saying is I think we're going a step too far in, in what we're saying. Um, I, I'll tell you, like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a little bit, and, and I would say this for anybody, I'm a little bit the opposite of what you've said. Um, like, I don't particularly love the, the like, I'm going to, like, okay, so Frank Martin was at South Carolina. He was the basketball coach. And his guys loved him off the court. But I watched him call somebody – uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word. We might need to go out and uh, bleep it. Um, he he. Well, no, I just won't say it. He. I watched him call one of his players an effing child born out of wedlock um, on on the court, and like he said, well, that's just my in-game demeanor. I'm different after the fact. Um, so like all of all of that to say, like, dude, you you know, you know. I mean, you've you've coached teams before. You know the frustration doesn't end when the clock hits zero. You know that. You know it. And so, like, I think it's I think it's just really easy for us who were not there, who were not 
who don't have you know so much on the line with this stuff to say, well, clock hit zero, his frustration should have ended. I just don't think that's fair. No, Justin, this is where my argument, and I'm not saying yours is inconsistent. I'm saying this is where the consistency of my argument lies. After the game is over, you have to help these grown men cope with what has happened and sure. grow out of what has happened and learn from what has happened. You can you have to be the example of what you do after a terrible thing has happened to you. And that is a bad reaction. This is where I go. Sometimes you kick stuff. Like so, as as a grown person, I had people tell me when I was a kid to go punch a pillow. I had people tell me that. This is like, where my argument is consistent. I agree. I know that that kind of thing happens, and I think it's bad. And when I do that kind of thing, I go, wow, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. I set a poor example for someone who watched me, or, God, I'm glad nobody was around to watch me. I certainly don't go make it public. And, you know, if, if I have any issue with him laughing about it, it's not that I think he was being a frat boy, which is what Paul Feinbaum called him. It's that I would say, that's shameful to the degree that you're trying to grow grown men. Don't tell me, and if and Dabo Sweeney says this all the time. So if Dabo Sweeney did this, I'd be the first one. You wait till that happens. I'd be the first one to do this. You know that it comes out public because I'm sure stuff like this has happened before and it just hasn't come out public. I don't care if it's Frank Martin, Dabo Sweeney, Brad Burnell, Shane Beamer, Coach K. You know, rest in peace. He's, re- he's retired. But like, I don't care who it is. <laughs> he died. If you're gonna act like breaking you news, cannot, Coach K died. <laughs> you cannot make your pitch that you exist to grow your child from a you know, high school boy. Uh, he's not just going to be a student athlete. He's going to be a grown man, which is what all these college football coaches say. That's why they're in the college football business. And then do this and be okay with doing do it. You, Shane Beamer should have. Do you, whoever do you, the coaches should have been like, man, I shouldn't have done this. I did it. It was silly. Called the AD. He laughed at me, but we both know. Pretty stupid thing to do. I wouldn't want any of my players to react like this because you need to learn to control your vices. Why, why does he why does he owe the media why. that? Why does he owe anybody that but no, his no, no. team? If like he said he addressed it, it with the team. To do that. No, I'm saying if he's going to make it public to the world, he needs to do it from a – this is all my argument is. I'm not saying he can't ever have done it. I'm saying he needs to – if he's going to do it and if he's going to have made it public, he needs to come at it from the perspective of I should have done it. And he did say I shouldn't have done it, but not from the not from the same way of laughing and joking. Oh, I shouldn't have done it. And Coach Tanner laughed at me and all this kind of stuff. Be like, guys, I set a poor example for the players. If he's going to make it public, he never had to tell us this happened. He He never had to tell us this happened. He said he shouldn't have done it. Like, I just yes, Justin. He said he shouldn't have done it from a laughing, joking perspective. And what I'm saying is, as a man who's trying to tell us he's growing these boys and the young men. No, 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 no. And again, this is where my my consistency lies. I'm not saying you're inconsistent. I'm saying I'm consistent. And I feel like Justin, you're right now trying to come at from the defense of Shane Beamer rather than the uh, analysis of my argument. My argument is simply any coach, like James Franklin, like I went in on last week because I thought he was being ridiculous. Any coach who's going to do that thing, because that's a poor example to set for these young men. Like, it just is. When I do that kind of thing, it's a poor example I set for my wife or people that I'm around. He should have come at it from a different perspective. He should never have done it, but then when he did it, he should have come at it from a different – and maybe he did that with his players. I wish he had done that with the media. We can only know what he did with his players. That's all my argument is. I think he shouldn't have done it. And I think he should have come at it from the perspective of, man, I really messed up. And I set a poor example for these young men. I, I think I think that's fine. I just I I think that 
that's a it's a pretty high standard like to essentially hold somebody to uh, and you haven't said perfection but like people make mistakes people do dumb things when they do i'm not a fan of the public apology like i just don't think it has to happen like there was there was no reason for him to like grovel and talk about how sorry he was to everybody else he can laugh at himself say it was something he shouldn't have done and then move on i understand your argument i'm just saying i think I think it's it's not just saying like he should have done it a certain way. Like your words were, it's gross. Like so that's that's where I take a little bit of issue and, and like like try to defend yeah. the guy because like gross gross is a pretty strong statement. Gross gross goes a step further than saying like yeah he should have handled it differently. Like you know what I'm saying? If I did that, I would say man that was gross. I shouldn't have done that. Now. Of course, maybe I'm just, you know, that self-introspection, all that kind of thing, that's cool to say when you haven't actually done it. But, like, yeah, I get frustrated when I'm watching Clemson football play, and I'm not even on the scene, I'm not even coaching the team. Alan. That is bad behavior Alan. to have had in front of people. That's all I'm saying. Alan, get this. I love you to death, man, and we have just gone 41 minutes talking about uh, last weekend and all this kind of stuff. Um, we'll let the listener weigh in. I think we should kind of see if we can have a discussion about this on the social medias and see what people have to say. Uh, let's let's look at some of the other games that happened last week. Well, listen, um, listen. You see where you see my argument. I do. I do. From the perspective of a coach trying to raise up young people. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand more than it is about Shane like, Beamer because I actually like Shane Beamer a lot. Sure, sure, sure. Do you? I want to ask a question. Have you seen the video? I think it was. I think it was last year after the Georgia game. What, wasn't it last year after the Georgia game uh, where he said he wasn't going to be an emotional roller coaster? So every time he does something like this, people meme it with all the times because he's a very emotional guy. Have you yeah, seen yeah. that? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Shane Beamer is a very emotional guy. Do you think he's too emotional? That's a that's a tough one to respond to. Um, I don't know because like. Uh, and listen, he's held to a different standard because he's a first-time head coach. But like, Spurrier throws visors and pitches a fit, and has has media members fired, and people love him for it. Um, you know, so I I don't know. I I think he cares a lot. He's very passionate. Um, I'll tell you this. I. I believe it when Shane Beamer says he loves the University of South Carolina, and I'll take sure, that yeah. over what we've had in, over some of what we've had in the past. Yeah, you've often said that. See, I don't think he's too emotional. I do think he provides some memes, uh, but every good coach is going to provide some memes. I mean, Dab, yeah, yeah. you know, Dabo's provided a plethora. Of this is this is true. So Shane Beamer true. certainly provides some memes, and being like, I'm not, and saying I'm not going to be an emotional roller coaster, and then crying after you beat East Carolina. Is, is meme worthy, and it should and it should be memed, and I appreciate the memes. And if you can't meme yourself or be memed, then you should not be okay anywhere. No, on, no, this, t- on the face tell me of this: the this the, the last thing we'll say about it, or you can respond. But I, I I I really do think he's a guy who knows how silly he is with his emotions, and that's why I say I really think that however he addressed it with the media. He was just trying to acknowledge this was dumb, and you, it's okay to laugh at me for being dumb. Like he doesn't I owe us. He I, doesn't owe us anything. I hope that's true. Um, 
I'm still undecided on what you just said. I think about that with Shane Beamer all the time because I think, and I think you would agree with me, Dabo knows, Dabo's pretty self-aware of how we, how like, how weird he is. And like when Dabo wants to be goofy, he knows he's being goofy. Like, I think you would agree. Dabo's pretty self-aware and he's pretty much just himself. You know what I mean? And it, and for the good and the bad. And, um, now, of course, we have we have 14 years of Dabo. We only have right. three of Shane. So I'm still – the jury for me is still out on Shane Beamer. I'm still undecided on that because about every – it's really about 50-50. Every other minute I watch him, I'm like, he is he's fully himself. And then the next minute I'm like, is that a front? But I think it's just way less data than we have. Justin, last thing on South Carolina and Florida. We've talked long enough on them. Uh, I want to put two quarterbacks before you, Justin. And neither one of them is Spencer Rattler. All right, I'll just go ahead and let you know on that. Okay, Justin, quarterback number one is 115 of 182, okay, 63% completion percentage, 1,400 yards uh, on the on the passing, 13 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. Through his first interception, uh, through his only interception in week one, okay. Quarterback number two is 170 of 220, which is a 76% completion percentage for 1,897 yards, basically 1,900 yards, a 12 to 2 touchdown interception ratio, and has been sacked an additional 12 times through an interception in week one and through an interception in week uh, five. Uh, okay, Justin, these two quarterbacks reside in the state of Florida. These two quarterback play. These two quarterbacks play on rival teams in the state of Florida. Can you tell me which quarter? Okay, Justin, these two quarterbacks play uh, one for a uh, team that is based off of a reptilian mascot and the other is based off of uh, an indigenous people. <laughs> Justin, can you tell me which quarterback is which? Uh, quarterback two has better stats. <laughs> Recap. Uh, I'm going to say that quarterback two is probably Graham Mertz then. Isn't that crazy? That's Graham dumb. Four hundred. Graham Mertz has four hundred more yards than Jordan Travis. Right at four hundred. That's dumb. He's got essentially the same. He's got like thirteen and a half more uh, better uh, completion percentage, and the same you know the same touchdown to interception ratio. Basically, has been sacked an additional twelve times, and they call him the worst quarterback in the SEC, and they call Jordan Travis a Heisman contender. Well, that just tells you like the storylines are written before the season starts, man. September champs, dude. Like September can win you a Heisman. Now Jordan Travis ain't gonna win the Heisman. I mean that right, he's not right. unless something crazy happens. But September won Lamar Jackson a Heisman over Deshaun Watson because they didn't play until October. Yeah. All right, Justin. A couple of Heisman quarterbacks. We need to just breeze through some of these games so that yeah, we can preview quick. the Palmetto State. Yeah. The Palmetto State's got a couple of big ones uh, uh, because of uh, lackluster seasons so far. All right, Oregon, Washington. I'm guessing you watched this game, Justin. Yeah. Although you were also recovering from quite the long night Friday night, but uh, it was a True. mega matchup, just like we told you it was going to be for the Pac-12. Obviously, top ten matchup. Uh, Washington hosting Oregon. A crazy environment is you know. From the TV, from also from the boots on the ground, we thought Oregon was well. No, no, no. I thought Oregon was going to win. Rather, you thought Washington was going to win, right. and Justin, you ended up being right. 
Justin uh, Washington got it done. Oregon went for about every fourth down imaginable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it ended up coming, you know, back to bite them. They did come yeah. back from a 10-point deficit at one point in this game. It was a crazy game, one of the best games. And, Justin, let me just say this about the game, and then you can say something, a piece about the game. Sure. This is exactly what I thought Clemson-Florida State was going to be. Yeah, sure. Washington won because of home field. I think yeah. that's fair to say. Yeah, I, think so. I came away feeling like Oregon was the better team, and I came away feeling like if these two teams played, uh, if these two teams played in the Pac-12 championship, Oregon would win by two scores, you know, on a neutral field, yeah, all that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, Oregon had a lot of self-inflicted, you know, fourth downs and stuff like that. Yeah. That you know, if, this is exactly Oregon, what I thought Clemson Florida State was going to be. If Oregon had played a touch more, oh, sorry, I thought you were done. My bad, Alan. Go ahead, keep going. I thought I thought Clemson Florida State, yeah, we'll we'll get. It. I thought Clemson Florida State was going to be this. It ended up being differently. Um, in hindsight, I think if Clemson and Florida State played the next week, I would like Clemson, uh, which is not where I thought the game was going to go. I thought the game was going to be hard fought. I thought home field was going to be the difference. I thought Florida State was going to make an extra an extra mistake or two that they, they ended up make, not making, and Clemson was going to win a close one that wasn't going to be sustainable for the future. Which is exactly what I thought of this game. I think when Oregon and Washington play again, if they get the privilege, Oregon will win by a couple scores. Yeah, um, I I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, Oregon felt like the better team. Um, uh, if they had played just a touch more conservatively, Oregon wins that game. Um, I think you're right. Washington won because of home field. Um, Oregon, I think I think Oregon kind of had a point to prove. I don't know. Um, I I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Oregon came out aggressive, yeah. wanting to prove something for sure. Dan Lanning's an aggressive coach. I think Dan Lanning likes to try and prove stuff. That's the way the game felt. I think he would obviously like some of this stuff back, but he doesn't need to have everything back because I like the aggression as well. We'll see. I, I really, I really wouldn't be surprised if these teams met again because I do think they're the best teams. You know, they're the best two teams in the Pac-12, and we'll see. And I would like yeah. Oregon. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Next. You, but you were spot on. You thought Washington was going to win. Justin, we were not spot on. Oh, my God. USC Lord. Notre Dame. What a crazy game. The turnovers came back to roost. Caleb Williams threw his first interceptions, three of them, just one after another. They had two turnovers on downs. They had a couple of fumbles. They had seven turnovers, essentially, if you count turnovers on downs. Notre Dame had a special team score. I mean, whew, just a, like, just crazy. That. If you had told me how the game would play out, I would have, like, didn't tell me who did what. I would have been like, oh, yeah, Southern Cal clearly is the team that, that won that game, thinking that they would have been the ones coming up with the turnovers and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, like, I don't know where that Notre Dame has been. Um, I just, For sure. That, if you told that me was before shocker. the game, if you told me before the game, the score is going to be 48-20. I'd have been like, oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. I bet. I bet USC got up, you know, I bet USC got up 35-14 and then just held on, you know. But no, that's kind of how it went the opposite way. It was just bad. So basically, bottom line, I don't know know who listens to us for any kind of gambling advice, but don't do it. Don't do it. All right, next. No, don't do it. Justin, Miami and North Carolina, this was an interesting game. Miami was up at halftime, then North Carolina proceeded to go 24-0 in the second half, took care of business. North Carolina's good. Also, I have yeah. a question. Okay, we, we found out North Carolina was pretty good after they beat South Carolina, and we thought, whoa, this defense is really good. And then, like, the defense is really good. But, like, their entire defense transferred out. What are they doing up there? I mean, doing I good know. things. But really impressive. So, yeah. Um, I, 
like you said, um, North Carolina would be too much. Miami came out like the team that needed to win, and then North Carolina just overpowered them. Um, I'm really impressed with North Carolina so far. Yeah, they're scary. They're coming to Clemson November 18th, the week before we play South Carolina. Wouldn't be surprised if we've got a little look ahead to South Carolina because we want revenge. North Carolina's right. going to be good. Ooh, that could be a tough game. Uh, that will hey, be a that, tough game. That game Oregon could have State really big implications. Took, Go ahead, sorry. Oregon State took care of business against UCLA, yep. and DJU played really well. The 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 uh, the listener, the average listener might sit there and think, oh, Allen's going to be upset that DJU had a good game because he's talked about the DJU roller coaster and all that kind of thing. I want nothing but success for DJ. I am just tired of people saying, you know, uh, that I'm just tired of the slander against Clemson when it comes to DJ. Right. I said, Justin, in the week that you weren't here, any Clemson fan who sits there and goes, you know, DJ did nothing for Clemson or any fan of college football in general that says that. And, you know, DJ was nothing at Clemson. Look how much he is at Oregon State. Is a casual. They did not watch college football the last two years. Because, yes, 2021 was really bad, and he was statistically terrible. I believe it, it might not have ended this way, but at one point in the season he had more interceptions than touchdowns, and I think that's how it ended. I think it was like 6-7. to seven. It was a very bad just statistical year for DJ, uh, won 10 games. And then the next year came out on fire, got his beats by Dre, you know, uh, NIL deal again because he threw five touchdowns against Wake Forest. He was very good until that Syracuse game, and um, – and then the roller coaster started again, and he was more of 2021 than he was of first half 2022. And now he's playing like first half of 2022. Now he's had a roller coaster game or two, or half or two so far this season. We can't deny that. But he's playing well, and I'm glad to see it. And anyone who thinks that he did not have moments at Clemson is just a casual who didn't watch college football for two years. Yeah. I, I pretty much pull for anybody who, who has a similar story. Like they just needed to go somewhere, not for NIL, not for any of this kind of stuff, but they just needed a fresh start. Um, I'm, I'm glad sure. he's having the year he's having, um, and not from a standpoint of like, ha ha, look at Clemson. Cause, cause I mean, both, both parties clearly needed, a a, a fresh start sure. needed, needed yeah, to sure. move on. Um, look at yeah. you making a cogent analysis yeah. people that out there could not, they would never be able to think with such brain that you're thinking right. with right now. Right, right, right. Um, but no, so like that was, that was a clear home field game. Like, um, it's interesting though, like UCLA, who hasn't been able to do much of anything on offense against teams with a pulse, like they, they played pretty well. Um, yeah. So I, that's why Oregon State will not be able to beat the the upper teams in the Pac-12 because they don't have a defense to beat those other teams. Yeah, they lost to Washington. They gave up 38 points to Washington State, yeah, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. What what other games did we have? Real quick, we had right, NC State versus Duke. Two. Yeah, go. I think something's up with our connection here, dude. Um, uh, Anyway, uh, I I wrote right here that I didn't think Duke was a team. I just thought they hadn't really played anybody other than Clemson, and that's week one, so it doesn't count. Um, I mean, it counts, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) But ultimately, dude, I just forgot how bad NC State is. Like, they're bad. They they can do some things, but they're ultimately not a good football team. Yes. And they brought in Brendan Armstrong. What is that all about? I, I don't know, man. Uh, in NC State, uh, Keith, I love you, man, but your boys are bad. Now, what about the boys over at Louisiana State? Uh, you uh, you were right on this one, man. You said LSU was going to win big. I didn't think it would happen. They did. Uh, 
Auburn's Auburn was a bad, up fourteen zero though at one point. Yeah, Auburn's a bad team. Auburn Auburn is a no bueno. Yeah, no bueno indeed. Yeah. Hey, you want to talk about you want to talk about another one? People. Yes. Uh, sorry, dude. Uh, like I said, something's going on with our connection. Um, you want to talk about another game that we did not get right? Tell me. This uh, this Louisville Pitt game, Alan. Uh, it was not right. I thought Louisville was going to show that they were a good team. Um, I, but I did say that this was like a look-ahead letdown spot. But I didn't think it was this kind of a look-ahead letdown. I didn't think they would actually lose. They, they were up 21-14 to 14 at halftime. Check this out, Alan. You're up 21-14 to 14 at the half. And in the second half, you only punt one time. To me, that means you that won the game, good. right? Yeah. Listen, listen to this uh, drive chart for Louisville in the second half. Uh, turnover on downs, punt, pick six, interception, missed field goal, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Holy cow, man. That is bad like that. football. That is not good. Not conducive to winning. No, it is not. But. Good outcome for Clemson, right? Well, you know, it was almost a perfect weekend. Uh, Louisville needed to lose a game like to Pitt, you know, an unsuspecting foe. Miami was up at halftime against North Carolina. Of course, Duke had already kind of dismantled NC State at that point. So almost, and then, but you know, yes, Clemson does have a path. They'll get to play North Carolina. You know, Duke has to still play some teams that could beat them, like Florida State, certainly. Louisville later in the season. You know, Louisville could obviously slip up and lose to another team. So there is a path that's needed to happen because Louisville has to lose a couple games and they don't play North Carolina or uh, they do play Miami, but they don't play North Carolina or Florida State. So it's like you need them to slip up and lose some of these games. So this was a good one when you're kind of hoping for – that mystical pot of gold that is Clemson getting the ACC title berth uh, when all this is said and done. All right, Justin, Tennessee won. Uh, you said Tennessee didn't wasn't going to be a dogfight type team, and they won a dogfight. They did. They did. Uh, there they go. Missouri so, won big against Kentucky, Justin. Yeah. Missouri wins big. They have big offense. We certainly need to talk about that big offense here in a minute when we preview yeah. South Carolina, Missouri. Kansas got uh, got uh, uh, Kansas got beat by Oklahoma State. Is that right? No, they took care of business against Oklahoma State. So, so real quick, uh, these these last three games real we quick. talked about, I was wrong. I was wrong, and I was almost right, but I just wouldn't pull the trigger. I said that Oklahoma State was showing signs of life, and it was a home game, so I should pick them, and I didn't, and they won 39-32. They beat Kansas. I'm frustrated that I didn't pick them. Uh, the, last week, Alan, just to, to sum up the recap, was a bad week for me. What did I get? Like two right? It was it was not a good week. I looked very, very dumb last week. Everybody looked dumb to a wow. little bit with, with the Notre Dame and Louisville stuff going on. Yeah. I looked correct. very, very dumb. All right. Let's well, let's well, move against you. Yeah, let's let's move on. Let's have a little bit of a conversation about what's to come this week. What what do we have? Um let's let's just kind of rapid fire like you know, 30 seconds on each of these big games that are coming up, and then we'll get back into Palmetto State. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great to me, Justin. All right. Music to my ears. Our our big noon kickoff, 
You've got Penn State um, at Ohio State. Ohio State's favored by four and a half. What what do you what do you see happening there? Justin, I know you love a good prime, a, a good top ten matchup right at high noon when you barely woken up How from your stupid. late night shenanigans. How stupid. Yeah, I know you love that. And I think this is the game of James Franklin's career. Because even if they beat Michigan at the end of the year, I'm not sure they're getting that Big Ten title berth. There is an interesting tiebreaker situation between Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, if they all beat each other, but you know right. they all have one loss. That's crazy. Um, I think this is the game of James Franklin's career. You know, Ryan Day is like 35 and 0 against non-Michigan Big Ten teams, and mm-hmm. James Franklin's like four and 20 or something like that, very against Michigan, and I guess like four and 14 against Michigan and Ohio State. So obviously, only one win against Ohio State in that crazy game in 2016. So this is like the game of his career because this is the best team like he's probably ever going to have, unless they return yeah. a lot of guys and they recruit well. But this is a good team. They are right now the nation's leader in sport uh, in point differential. The nation's leader in point differential the last six years has made the college football playoff. You got to win like games like this to go make the college football playoff. I think Penn State's really good, and I don't think they're going to win. I think Ohio <laughs> oh man, in, but, I thought I thought you I were going to pull the trigger. I think very similar to that Notre Dame game, Penn State might be in control of this game the whole way. And then Ohio State gets the ball late, and Kyle McCord makes one play that he shouldn't, you know, to get him on the goal line or in field goal range or something. And I think Ohio State's going to win this game and buy them some time until they've got Michigan at the end of the season. Because I think Ohio State's really good, especially on defense. And obviously they have all the horses at skill positions. You know, quarterback settling in is like kind of their one thing. I think Ohio State's going to get it done, buy them some time to keep developing, and then win the Big Ten. Maybe, you know, have to get it done against Michigan. Uh, Alan, I like your logic. I really do. Uh, I don't know. I, I like how we kind of come into this. Normally, hey, listener, you're getting a peek behind the scenes here. Normally, we put our thoughts down for these games in the, in our Google Doc, and we both know what the pick is going to be coming into it. Uh, we don't know each other's picks today. I'm picking Penn State. Uh, oh, wow. I think I think Ohio State's been kind of shaky. Um, I think I think if you told me I had to pick. I think Ohio State's the better team, but I think Penn State is on a mission. I think Penn yeah. State's going to win it, and I think everybody's going to be kind of surprised. Like I, I don't think it's a game that Ohio State has a shot to win late. I think Penn State's just going to yeah. win, just going to win outright and assert a little bit of dominance in this game. Sometimes the better team loses, and Penn State is going to look like the better team Saturday. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, you're braver than I, but I like I like what you're thinking. If I was going to pick Penn State to win, I'd do it based on what you said. Justin, Tennessee's heading to Tuscaloosa, the Battle of the Seas. Just kidding, that, that school is called Alabama. Wow. I think this is going to be a dogfight, Justin. Bama's favored by nine. This you, is you, like making, that. Uh, you, you like that. You like that dogfight kind of word and phrase. That's maybe, a, we should, maybe we should rebrand the podcast. Hey, listen, what we did earlier about Shane Beamer was probably the verbal dog fight. That it was. Podcast hey, it was but I, we'll, we'll hug I, it I, hope, I hope the listener has as much fun as we did having that conversation. Go ahead. What, what do we have? I think this could be a dog fight. I think Tennessee and Bama are both dog fight teams. Tennessee's got a good defense. Like, nobody talks about that from the Orange Bowl. They all wanted to talk about Joe Milton playing against Clemson, you know, and having a pretty good game. Right. Their defense was really good, like, when it mattered most. Yeah. They have a good defense. They have a good run game. Bama, likewise, has a good defense. 
maybe a you know run game that leaves some to be desired, a quarterback that can pop off a lot of plays, 60, 60 plus percentage when it goes to throwing the ball downfield, like he completes a lot of long balls. I think there's going to be dogfight. I think I think your home field thing that you've been on this year is going to be yep. the difference in this game. I think Alabama wins late because of home field. Uh, I think that's pretty good analysis. I don't disagree. I think this is going to be a game where where both coaching staffs are just kind of sitting there like, are are you going to throw the ball? We're not going to throw the ball. Are you going to throw it? And, and like, no, we're not going to throw the ball. Like, bo- both are going to be terrified to let the quarterbacks go at it. Um, this this might feel like that Bama LSU game. What ten years ago? Twelve years ago? However. Gosh, thirteen years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this this might be a game of, mm. of field goals. This this Yeah. I think people hear U T and Bama or Tennessee and Bama. I don't like that I called them U T. Um they are U T junior. Anyway, uh I think people hear that and they're like, Oh man, it's gonna be fireworks. I don't think so. I think this is gonna Not be ugly. Ugly football. Yeah. But when you when it comes to ugly football, and one team is getting nine points. Bama's favored by nine. Look, Tennessee ain't losing this game by nine points. I, yeah, this, I agree. This game is going to be like nine to eight or something like that. Like it's, you're yeah. going to look at the final score and you're going to be like, how that happened? I don't really think it's going to be nine to eight. But, like, if you told me it's going to be 13 to 12, I'd believe you. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think maybe like 21-17. No, that's 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 probably probably more accurate than mine, but but, but I know. Uh, yeah, but but one of those games that like you watch it and it's entertaining because of the because of the names on the jerseys, but if if this game was Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not watching this. Yeah, Justin, a game that lots maybe lots of people will be tuned in to watch. Duke is going to Tallahassee. This is the primetime game. Florida State favored by 14 and a half. And I think Florida State's going to win by like 75. Like, I think Florida State's just going to roll. I, like I've said, I don't think Florida State is as good, certainly, as they were in 2013. This is not that kind of team. But I think that this is a little bit like Notre Dame rolling into Louisville after all those hard fought games. And Duke's just played so many hard fought games, and Riley Leonard's going to be limping in there. He didn't even play last week, the backup played. And I think Florida State's just going to win by a million, man. I think Florida State's going to win by 40, maybe. So the the one the one little bit of pushback I would have, uh, those stats you gave about Jordan Travis, not yeah, not great. Um, no, I agree. Fl- Florida State has shown an immense inability to put teams away this year, teams that they yeah. should have beaten. That is fair. Badly, um, I I don't think Duke wins. I'm not going to call for the upset here. Um, but if you told me I'm just picking against the spread, I'm picking Duke. I think Duke covers. I think it's probably something like a 31 to 27. That's fair. I don't know why. I just think that Florida State's going to win by 40, and Jordan Travis might even have only like 150 yards. I just, you know, this Duke's going to want to slow. Duke's going to want to slow the game down, and I just don't think that's going to work because Florida State has so many game breaker guys out there at wide receiver. I don't think it's going to work out for them that way. Big Pac-12 matchup this week. All right, it's not Washington, Oregon. Okay, it's not Oregon State, Oregon, or whatever. But it is Utah, USC. This is a rematch of the Pac-12 championship. Yep. 
and USC is going to be wanting revenge, having lost to them twice last year. USC comes into this game. It's in the Coliseum. They come in as favored by a touchdown, Justin. And I don't really have a read on this game, man, because Cam Rising still really not playing for for Utah. But but USC is not very good on offensive line, and they're not very physical. Yeah. Utah is very physical, and they want to slow the game down. I think USC is going to right their turnover wrongs. And so I think they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to win this game something like 35-17 because I just think Utah is not going to have enough offense. Yeah, I tend to agree. Utah will kind of slow them down a little bit at times because Utah, that is their brand. They play good defense. Um, Dude, if Southern Cal doesn't win this game by 14 or 17 points, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I agree. All right, Justin, let's – Let's get to the Palmetto State. Oh Let's no, Alan! I, I see what I see. What you've written here, and I just can tell that my feelings are about to get hurt. What do, what do, what do we you have? Want here? Go, yeah, you, you want you me to go, go through it. with the analogy, Justin? I, I do. All right, Justin. Here, here's how it goes. Justin, Haley and I are trying to sell a used car right now, right? An old forerunner that she had for oh, several no. years, and I've driven for the last few years. And we went out there, and we put it on the Facebook Marketplace. We put it out on the universe, and we've discovered. It's just not as valuable as we thought it was. Yeah. We put it out there, and we thought, you know, oh, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be, you know, worth this amount, and yeah. it's kind of worth only slightly more than half that. And South Carolina season is at a point right now where they are two and four, and the question this. remains: Will they be only half of what they were pitched to be, what they were thought to be worth? You know what I mean? Will they all? Will they barely be scrapping? You know, you have to beat some good teams to get to uh, to get to bowl eligible right now. You got to yeah. beat some A and M's, or some Clemson's, or some Kentucky's, or some Missouri, and let alone you got to beat Vandy and uh, and uh, Jacksonville State. Ugh, yeah. You know, you got to beat some good teams to get. This week will tell us a lot. Not even if you just lose, no, or not even if you lose. Like you know, regardless, win, lose, or draw, this week will tell us a ton about whether South Carolina's season is going to amount to them being not as valuable, not as worth what we thought they were going to be. South Carolina comes into this game with a lackluster defense, a defense that has been obviously kind of taken to the woodshed a couple times lately against quarterbacks that like to throw the ball. And what does Misery have? A quarterback that likes to spin it, a great wide receiver in Luther Burden, an offense that has scored lots of points. You know, does this game look a lot like the LSU-Missouri game, except in Missouri's favor? I kind of think so. Justin, I really want to pick South Carolina because I like it when teams are hungry. I like, you know, the coach is obviously pretty hungry because he's, uh, he's, he's trying to pie, crack into that well of Gatorade just for some calories so bad he kicked it with his foot. He needs the, he needs the nutrients. He needs the sustenance. I like South Carolina. I like them in this spot of being really hungry, with a, with a really talented offense and a quarterback that wants to get it done, I just think Missouri's going to be too much to handle, Justin. And I think Missouri's going to win this game something like 49 to 41. Like, I think oh. this game might – this game this game might be uh, Alabama-Tennessee last year, 52 to 49. But I just think Missouri's going to get it done. And we already know that they have a kicker that can make a 60-something-yard kick. And it might come down to that. And I think home field might be the difference here. But if South Carolina was going to right the wrong, playing kind of a suspect defense when you have a really good offense, this could be the week to do it. Because I don't know that they'll have 
uh, I think that the A&M game next week is going to be really hard, really physical. Offense won't be nearly as explosive. You might be able to get off some explosive plays this week. I think Missouri's going to win. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think they're just going to make one extra play. What, what say you? All right. Uh, I think you are literally insane. And I think you, I think you like South Carolina this week even more than I do. <laughs> oh, um, listen, oh, no. Okay, so uh, I am, I am the the broken South Carolina fan today. Um, I have no reason to think we have a shot. Uh, Missouri, Ouch. like like you've highlighted, Missouri has a really good offense, and South Carolina has a pretty bad defense. Uh, Missouri's got a, a a decent enough defense. And we're okay and kind of shaky on offense. Um, like I think we could, I think we could have some success. I think we could score in the twenties. I'd be really surprised if we score more than thirty at Missouri, and I think Missouri might score fifty. Um, Good that's look. Uh, I'd I'd love to be wrong. Um, I, ha- I I do have this feeling in my gut that just wants me to pick South Carolina. But I also just had a really strong cup of coffee, so that's probably what I'm feeling. Um, uh, I just I, – I don't have a reason to pick South Carolina. I can't, I can't genuinely pick against them, so I'm just going to not say anything. But this is what I will say. You said South Carolina is hungry, like starving, wanting that win. i just tell you this, dude. Hungry don't mean you eating. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. I think that's where South Carolina is going to be Saturday. Justin, let me say this. Let me ask you this question. You know, last year you played Florida, and one side of the ball gets terribly exposed, and that was offense. No offensive points scored. Then the next week you come out and have your best offensive game of the year. Is there any chance this week, this year, after you play Florida and one side of the ball gets exposed, that side of the ball has their best game of the year? I mean, okay, so we live in a universe that is not fully predetermined. So I mean, like, I guess there's a chance. Sure. Um, I mean, depending on your your views of life and that kind of stuff. Um, so I mean, it'd be silly for me to say there's no chance. Uh, the thing is, we know what changed on the offense last year. Uh, we yeah. said, hey, there are some really obvious things we could do, like give the ball through our best players, put certain that. players on the field together. Uh, with with the defense. I think we've tried everything. I think we were in desperation mode last week, sending the house trying to get some pressure. I just, I just think the defense is broken. I don't think it can be fixed. So no, I don't think that can happen. Justin, I hate to hear that, and I hate to hear a sad, a, a sad, broken man as you are, as broken as that bone in Shane Beamer's foot. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say, I'm sure you hate it. I'm so sure no, that you're that you're really tough. just. So sad Listen, for me right now. If South Carolina was eleven and one every single year, and that one was the Clemson, I'd be decently okay. Uh, especially if Clemson was having relative levels of success, I wouldn't yeah, want us to be one and eleven. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I want to let you preview Clemson Miami okay. first because I got to preview your team first. I do want to save my. I'll, I'll share my analogy. Uh, let me share my analogy up front, and then I'll let you preview the game. Okay. Justin, <laughs> okay. tonight, tonight I had plans. I said. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to this uh, to the Greenway over in Fort Mill, South Carolina, where I live, and uh, the Ann Spring Greenway, nature preserve type thing, and I'm going to run some miles, ran four miles very nice. On my way over there, I order Uber Eats. So I say, Haley, why don't we have a nice little Uber Eats dinner date? You know, I'll order some Uber Eats. 
don't have to cook. We'll get it delivered. Listen, there's a, I, I got an email, 40% off if I spend 20 bucks, you know what I mean? Or more kind of thing. So I'm like, okay. And then I, and then I get, and then I get Shake Shack and it's buy one, get one free. So I'm ordering two burgers, two sandwiches, some fries. Cause it's buy one, get one free and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, this is a pretty good deal, man. And I schedule it to arrive at 7.15. I'm, I'm leaving the Greenway right at like 7. I'm going to be home perfectly on time for this food. I didn't even sweat that much because it's beautiful weather outside. After running four miles through the hills, very nice run. And uh, I get these. I get these. So basically what happens, we, we live at the back of a property. It's not immediately obvious where our house is. But I wrote on the directions for the Uber driver, uh, Uber Eats driver, house at the back of the property. You know, pretty obvious. And, and you know where I live, Justin. Right. When I say the property, it's not like a big field with some woods. No. It's a property of a thing. And then you just pull to the back of it. And so no other delivery drivers had any problems, right? But this guy, man, pulls in the parking lot, doesn't know where to, where to deliver the food. I ignore one of his calls because I thought it was a spam call coming from a number I never recognized. Then after the allotted time that he is allowed, the order oh, canceled. No. Food's not delivered, Justin. Oh, and let no. me say this. That made me think Clemson football in the year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> Promises remain preseason. We were said to have uh, ten, ten starter, seven starters on offensive line and ten players that could play. We were said to have had all these explosive plays. The offense was said to be this and that. And they just haven't delivered, just like my Uber Eats. It's driving in the other direction, canceled. Yes, I'll get a refund, but it's not going to be your complete amount. You still have to tip the driver for not delivering your food. Oh, I understand. Okay, sorry. Not delivering the food. And I think this Saturday, this will be the one thing I say before I want you to go through the game. This Saturday, just like for you, what will it answer the question about the used car? This Saturday will say a lot about whether that delivery is going to kind of come at, towards the back half of the season and propel us to deliver that food in the next half of the season. What say you? The the back half of the season, the back half of the property, you might you might say. Um, oh, hey, right so, to the heart, Justin. So, so the, the first thing I need to say is what you experienced is a driver who wanted your supper. Like a hundred percent. I think you're right, Justin. I speak. Right. I speak as a DoorDash driver who has been in the same situation. Uh, the the biggest blessing is when you realize I'm about to get some free food because this person ain't coming to pick it up. Um, let me let let me. You know what? Remind me to come back to this at the end. It's just a little bonus story for any listeners who really want to just torture themselves with an hour and a half of podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll come back to that. As we talk about this game, hey, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense about Clemson. Um, this is what I would say. Before last week, I would have had Clemson winning convincingly. Um, now, uh, well, maybe before the last two weeks. Miami's lost two in a row. They're a wounded animal. They're a hungry team. Like, are they going to lose three in a row? That's disastrous in Miami. That's that's unacceptable. They can't do it. Um, I you know I think this one is a question of how does the game play out. Uh, I think Clemson has a better roster. I think yeah. Clemson is a better football team. I think Miami has the dudes to like go in for the kill though if they smell blood in the water. 
Um, so sure. for me, the question is, has Clemson kind of shored up some of the, the, the issues? Have they, um, have they addressed some of the, the, some of the sloppiness that's happened at times? You know, are they playing more cohesively? Um, and I think if that's the case, I think Clemson's going to win convincingly. I really do. But I just, I just don't know. Um, I don't think this is a spot Clemson yeah. really wants to be in. Um, I mean, you know, they've made adjustments in the bye week, but but do they want to have to use these adjustments and, and these tweaks and that kind of stuff against a team that is capable of inflicting damage and who really needs a win? Uh, yeah. Man, like kind of like you said, I've been sitting here just waiting for Clemson to be who I thought they'd be. Right. I thought they were going to be special with this new offensive coordinator, um, with Will Shipley. I thought Clemson was going to be a remarkable offense. It hasn't happened. Yeah. This, this is what I'll tell you. I'm going to give them one more chance. One more chance, and then I'm not going to believe in them anymore. I sure. think Clemson wins big. I think oh, Clemson wow. wins big. I've talked myself into it. Um, I think I think they're the better team. I don't I like I don't believe in Miami, and I think they've got every reason to quit on their coaches, other than just playing for themselves. But I uh, I don't believe in Miami as a football program right now. Uh, I think Clemson is right where you'd want them to be, even if Miami is is again not the team you necessarily want to play right now. I think Clemson is going to be able to really uh, just uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, assert their will. They are going sure. to be the football team that we always thought they would be. They needed a reset. They've got the reset. Clemson will show up um, on both sides of the ball. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 38 to 20. I think this game could feel a lot like that Syracuse game where it was you know Clemson got up and then held on. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that Clemson gets out to an early lead and then hangs on. I do think Clemson has a better roster. I think Clemson has some better coaches. You know, I think the defense is being phenomenal right now. Tyler Van Dyke is, is, is a little injured, they're saying, a little leg injury. So we'll see if he's 100%. I think Clemson gets it done. I think they're focused. They're healthy after the bye week. I do think we're still waiting on that delivery, though, of what we thought this team was going to be, and it's just going to end up being kind of a canceled order. You get your refund, but you can only spend it in this particular app. Wait till next time. You know what I mean? Right, right. I do right. think – I think we'll start to see shines throughout the rest of the season of what could be next year. But like I've said, unless we go after a couple of key, maybe like one wide receiver number one type and a couple of guys like that on the on the on uh, in the portal and maybe make – at least a philosophical change of some of these position coaches, you know, will still underachieve next year. Now, underachieve with the roster that we've got could still be in the playoff, certainly, as it was probably those last couple of years with Trevor Lawrence, underachieving to what they had, but still making playoffs. Um, that could still happen. So I do think you're right. I think Clemson comes out focused. I think Clemson's going to get it done. I think if Clemson loses, I think you have two teams that, if they lose, have have this have um, you know, if they were to lose, would have the same record. They would both be four and three. And one of these teams is going to be five and two, obviously. Regardless of which team loses, that team will be four and three. A team that didn't think they would be four and three at this point in the season would be one of these teams. 
But I think if Miami's four and three and still hasn't won an ACC game at home and hasn't beaten Clemson since the fifties, they go into full panic mode. Miami full on panics, and people are calling for his Mario's job, which is crazy. I'm not saying I would. People are calling for Mario Cristobal's job. All that kind of absurd overreaction happens. And Miami's in full blown panic mode. I think if Clemson's four and three, there are going to be some Clemson fans that are full blown panic mode. You're also just going to see a lot of detachment. You're just going to see a lot of Clemson fans go, just kind of, okay, I'm zoomed out for the rest of the season. I'm a fan of college football. My team doesn't even exist anymore. You know what I mean? Not panic. I think you'll even see that from some of the players and coaches. You might even see some players that might be teetering on the draft or even the transfer portal just stop playing. Like, I really do think you could have – now, again, wow. Clemson has a culture. All that that same stuff that I'm saying has never actually been true of Clemson. Clemson has lost three games before, and it's not been true of them. I think you'll see some detachment from the program, uh, especially by way of fans. Players probably won't be opting out or anything like that. You might teeter on it. But you'll definitely see, like, a layer of, like, oh, this is real. Like, we're not very good. Because after Clemson lost to Florida State, a lot of guys still went, yeah, we're probably going to go 10 and 2 though. Then you went out there and beat up on Syracuse, and you go, who, who was undefeated? And you go, yeah, we're going 10 and 2. Then you struggle with Wake Forest, and you go, oh, we're, we're kind of vulnerable, maybe. If you lose and get your third loss, you're extremely vulnerable. You still got Notre Dame and North Carolina on the schedule. So you'll see a lot of fans just be like, oh, we're a five-loss team, and just kind of deject. So, so what, what you're saying is if, if Clemson were to lose, then you'd see a, a lightning of the bandwagon, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, which may or may not have anything to do, which might be his master plan all along, let the listener understand. Dustin, we haven't even talked. uh, Let's talk about that briefly. Damos Sweeney said, maybe we need to lose some games to lighten the bandwagon in his coach's show. And I love Damos Sweeney. I actually kind of agree (laughs) with that statement. At the same time, it pains me to my core that anything like that would be said because I am tired of underachieving. We have underachieved for probably five years. Like after we won the national championship in 2018 or 2018-19, we've underachieved every year. You know, and I know the next year we lost the national championship, which maybe that's not underachieving because that was a great LSU team. But we've underachieved. We underachieved the COVID year. We underachieved with that with DJ for two years. We've underachieved this year, and I'm tired of it because we have a talent roster that could win national championships, and. There is a philosophical thing that I think needs to change that Davo is has been up to this point unwilling to change, and so for that for him to say we need to lose, I love that he says that like we need to lose some games to lighten the bandwagon, and I hate it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the dichotomy of being a Davo Sweeney over. You know. So yeah. So the the first off, I just want to say that LSU national championship. Uh, you spent the night at my house that night. I don't know if you remember that. Hey. Come um, on, you, man. You, you, were, you, you, were, you were not there for the game, I don't think. Maybe you came in at toward, no. towards the tail end of the game. I don't, I don't remember. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I, as, as the good friend that I am, I tried really hard not to delight in your pain that night. But you're right. It has Thank been you. kind of not necessarily <laughs> – it hasn't been necessarily downhill since then. But it's, it's been frustrating for, for you guys. Um, just to, to not live up to expectations. This is what I would say. Um, you know, I think I think Dabo is kind of like you said, both right and wrong. Um, it's it's possible to be right, and you still shouldn't have said something. Um, yeah. Basically, what he said. You 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 gave the charitable read on something that Shane Beamer said, so I'll give the charitable read on something that Dabo said. 
basically what he said is, I don't care about the casuals. Like, people who right. are upset that we go 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two don't understand how hard college football is. Um, there are, every year, 100 programs who wish they could be 9-3. and three. You, you know what I mean? Um, and Dabo has elevated the standard at Clemson. Uh, I mean, he just has. Um, yeah. But here's here's the side note of that, uh, or the the other the other side of that story. D- Dabo's the leader of a program, and Clemson, like it or not, you're not just a football team; you're a brand, and that's true for every college football team. You're trying to sell your brand, like you're you're trying to build the bandwagon. Now I'll say this too. So back in what man, what year did the Panthers go to the Super Bowl and they lost? Um, 2015. 15. Okay. Uh, all the Panthers fans around here were, were hashtag no new fans, no new fans. Can we talk about how stupid that is? Like sure. you gotta, you gotta have new fans. So I'm oh, yeah. not saying, I'm not saying that Dabo's hired to bring in new fans or to care about the fans right. or anything like that. But if, if we see Clemson lose another game or two, we see some fan detachment, like that that does have an effect when it comes to to you know the the value of the sure. program um so sure. the thing that's the thing that's a little bit of a disconnect for me is the guy who's paid 12 million dollars almost a year 11 million dollars a year 11 and change yeah. whatever it is to do what Justin to do what to, I agree to with win you on games that. To win games right. and not just to win games, right. man, to lead a program at a time when, listen, it's really important to show how valuable you are right now. With the sure. shifting landscape of college football, you don't need to lose bandwagon fans. You need the heaviest bandwagon you can find to prove to the Big Ten, the SEC, or the TV networks looking at the ACC, whatever. You need to prove that you bring the value. If you start right. shedding bandwagon fans, it's not good, like sure. so. But but I ultimately, ultimately, I know what he was saying is we've got some casuals out there who want me to be fired for winning ten games, like and and that is silly to the Clemson fan who's upset with Dabo for not living up to expectations. College football's freaking hard. Like, yeah, I'm not saying give the guy a break, but. Understand, this is a tough, tough sport. If you can average ten wins and then then make the playoff, you know every what I mean, the majority of the time as as Clemson in the ACC, you're doing well. You're doing sure. well, and next year things are going to be different too. You're going to have a twelve team playoff. How many times is Clemson going to so, miss the playoff in that scenario? It's not going to happen much. So here's what I'll say as a uh, as the guy who approaches Shane Beamer kicking the. Um, Gatorade cooler from a he's supposed to train young men to grow up and to be men and I don't think that's the best representation of that uh, I'll do that from the Dabo thing here because I do think that there's a way in which kind of accepting reality is very much what men have to do like you have to accept your situation you cannot live in denial all that kind of thing but there's also a way in which willingly like underachieving or underperforming or uh, all that kind of thing too is also not like what we should want young men yeah. to grow up into. Yeah. And so I think there's a both sides. Where, where I see the Shane Beamer thing a little bit more black and white is 
don't kick the thing. And when you do it, be, be ashamed to a degree. You know what I mean? Uh, then I look at the Dabo and I see a little bit more gray area of both sides of it because yeah, you should accept it, but definitely willingly just underachieving and underperforming is not what we should want young. And in fact, that's, what's killing a lot of boys and young men these days is the willingness to never leave their parents' house and that sort of thing and young people in general. So we shouldn't want that, which isn't exactly what he's doing, but there is an element to that. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit more gray. I haven't thought about it all that well, but I think I should be consistent because that's where I try to be is consistent. There is an element to which this isn't, this isn't always the best way that kind of hardline thing that you're doing, being stubborn Dabo isn't always the best way to train up young men, but I digress. That's my particular kind of bent toward these conversations sometimes. Well, you know, as we sit here an hour and a half into this podcast, um, there's a danger that we've gone too far, but I do want to ask you this. So just carrying that to its logical end, you, you did, you know, see things black and white with Beamer a little bit more from just his response and what could be taken from it essentially. And so with Dabo, I would also say there is a danger of, of the young Clemson fan hearing that and saying like, wait, he doesn't care if they win, which, which, you know, might, might not be the the worst message sometimes in sports. Um, So again, I, I hate this about myself because I just want to be the guy who's like, ah, oh, Dabo's a clown. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but like, I understand what he's saying. And uh, ultimately, man, he's not wrong. Uh, he's paid an obscene amount of money. But at the end of the day, like, it just doesn't, like, football doesn't matter. Like, as much as we think it does. Um, sure, sure. And, and I think in that sense, talking about somebody who's consistent, I think he's consistent in that, and I will give him props for that because he seems to be very consistent with, like, hey, it's a game. I'm blessed to do what I do. Um, I'm interested to see what the next couple years look like for him. Um, but as much as I want to hate on him, I I hate to say it, I, I, I kind of agree. I think he's right. I think so. if Dabo retired in the next five years, we would point back at this thing and be like, yeah, that's when it started for real. That's the kind of comments he's making is like, I don't like it. Yeah. It really would be like, that's the day that it it all began. That's the day we should have realized Justin. um, You want to tell the listeners how you scored McDonald's last week? I do want, I do want to talk about that for a second. So we talked about that. I'm a door. Take us home, Justin. Real, real quick. So this is just, just for funsies, turn it off. If you're done with us, Um, listen, I'm out driving for DoorDash last week. I get an order. Um, immediately upon receiving the order, it's canceled. I was like, well, darn. And then I got it again, second time in a row. It was for McDonald's. I go into McDonald's, and they say, hey, we're still making your order. But there's an order that came in just before it that is already ready. And it's the exact same order. Just take that. And I was like, hey, just so you know, that other order it's not going where it's supposed to go. Like it was canceled. You don't have to make it. And I tried to do the right thing, man. I tried to tell them they didn't need to make the order. And they said, you know what? We do have to make the order. It's just going to sit here and go to waste. So I took that order, Alan, that I was supposed to deliver and I delivered it. And, and I took it to that customer's house just like I should have done. And I left it at their doorstep, just like they asked. And when I was driving back home, I stopped by McDonald's and I said, Hey friends, did anybody come pick up that other order? And you know what they told me? Oh, man. They said no. 
I said, do you know why? It's because nobody's coming for it. Hey, hey, can I, can I take that? Because nobody's coming for it. And Go they on. said, you know what? You know what? You should take it. And so I took it, Alan. And you know what was in that order? Ten McNuggets. Come on, tell me. Two cheeseburgers. A Happy Meal. A McCrispy Chicken Sandwich. And four fries and four drinks. I fed my family, not with the money I made, but with the glitch in the system. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. Man, what a day. Justin, honor related. I mean, that's, I mean, come on. McDonald's is a land flowing with milk and honey and McNuggets. Amen. uh, Justin, honor related note. My Uber Eats story ends this way, Justin. You'll appreciate this, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, so they gave me a refund on Uber Cash, uh, Uber Eats Cash, you know, in-app cash money uh, for the amount, the $33 that the order was for, and that was after fees and everything, but not the $8 tip. So I got on the – and I wanted to really complain with customer service right. because, like I said, the instructions were go to the back of the property, and he just sat in the front of the property and was like, where's the house? And then after eight minutes, didn't didn't come – you know, he never right. came to the back of the property like – so that was my main complaint was he never came to the back of the property. So then the lady over customer support goes, hey, well, we refunded you 3327 uh, or whatever. And also, since you had a bunch of promotions, like buy one, get one free and 40% off, I'll go ahead and refund you all that promotional cost too. So here's another $31. So I ended oh. up making that with $64 of Uber <laughs> Eats cash. Since I kind of that's made out like bad. a bandit, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's not bad. bad. If, if that, you know, if that's how the Clemson story had ended, and maybe it's two lost team in the playoff, but if that's how the, but if that's how the Clemson story had ended, you know, oh, the offense didn't deliver, but we're still going to win the national championship. What the heck? We're at 60. <laughs> then that would have been nice. Justin, right, so here's, here's what we're asking episode, for, Alan. Go ahead. Go no. ahead. No, no, no. You, you wrap it up. Justin, this episode has been a $64 of Uber Eats cash in my book. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, if somebody's still listening, they should win some kind of award. Well, award to you, listener. Bye-bye. Yeah.